wanted to remind everyone the importance of rereading the book, How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling by Frank Fetcher. It always kind of uh, amazes us when we talk to someone who's been an agent for four to six months and has not purchased that book. Uh, probably would be better if you just didn't tell us. Um, but uh, that is a must. I do not get it at the library. You've got to have it for yourself to highlight in dog ear and um, go back and reread. So that is our book for the month. I um, want to remind you that this pod, this uh, recording will be on our podcast, and it does seem that um, when a podcast is not as popular as, say, some of the national ones are, that they do tend to drop them off. So I tried reposting Podcast 80 yesterday. I don't know if it worked. It didn't work on either of our phones, um, but I did post it in GroupMe, and so you can catch it there um, at any time. All right, we're going to have Marsha on this morning for a very important purpose. Uh, before we give a big shout-out to her for her elite producer status that popped up on her uh, dashboard on Friday, what an amazing accomplishment. I just want to go over what the uh, stats are for achieving that. And to be a silver elite producer, you must issue pay uh, $100,000 worth of premium with a minimum of 85 applications. To move to gold, you must have a $150,000 issue paid business and 125 minimum applications. Platinum, you will be 200,000 issue paid with 165 minimum applications. And to be the top level elite producer, you would need 250,000 issue paid business with 205 minimum applications. And you can see that what they want there is balance. They don't want someone writing a lot of annuities and a lot of IUL business without giving um, attention to their mortgage protection aid uh, clients. And so that's why they have the application minimum. But we are very proud and very excited as I know Marcia is, to welcome her to that uh, Silver Elite category. And uh, that is all trackable on your Equus dashboard and under the uh, reporting tab under special programs. So, Dick, I know you have some uh, questions for Marcia. Thanks, Connie. I do. Uh, we really have appreciated Marcia and Connie and I have all grown kind of together uh, in this industry. Uh, it's been a, a, a blessing watching her grow. Uh, I do, Marcia. Uh, there's two areas I'd like you to start off with that I, because I really appreciated your call yesterday. One was how you earned a thousand dollars a year that summer at a dollar an hour. A couple of things you did to do that, and then two, what was the result of you not tracking your business? How close had you actually come to a lead producer in the past? And then from there, just kind of share from your heart some of the things that you think will make a difference for everybody on the call today. Well, thank you, Dick. It really is an honor to be here, and I know I wouldn't be here without you guys. That's very sincere. Um, let's see. The, the first question was? $1,000 a year. Okay, so when I was in eighth grade, I, I told my mom, I said, well, I need more clothes. And she said, well, then you better get yourself a job. I've done what I can. Oh, okay. So I went out and I lined up. I tripled up on babysitting jobs for a dollar an hour. 
And I shined my dad. He had really cool cowboy boots, nice expensive ones. So I buffed those for a dollar a pair. And he had a business partner that I'd iron her things, 10 cents a little piece and 25 cents a big piece. And I made $1,000 that summer and I invested in a bond. So, um, you know, I had goals and things to do. So that was a good thing. I thought you started off for clothes. So you got the $1,000, but you bought a bond? I bought a bond. Wow. So it would mature. That's fantastic. So, I mean, the extra surplus that I I did that with, but no, I I had a goal, and I was not going to stop till I got it. Well, share some of the other things made a difference for you. When I came on, you know, people would say, follow the system, just plug in. And I was like, oh, okay. But I kept trying to make it fun. Okay, now I like having fun, but there's a proven system. So if you're making it fun, you're missing pieces. And so it doesn't convey to the client, and you're not going to close as many sales. So when I finally understood, oh, we kind of say the same thing in each home, but we tailor it to the people by looking at the pictures on their walls or by talking to the people in person, whatever, you know, it's pretty much the same thing with a slight, you know, variation to customize it to who you're talking to. Once I got that, I did better. That's called listening to Dick and Connie. Um, now, I have to tell you, I'm going to tell on myself here, I could have had this two years ago, but no, I didn't pay attention, and I had too much guaranteed issue business. I had over 100000 but guaranteed issue doesn't count. So you subtract that off, and I missed it by less than five thousand. It's like five or seven thousand. So I was like, "Oh, this next year I'm going to get it." La di da. No, I did the same thing again. They didn't count um, accidental, and I'm like, "Ugh." So this year I watched it closely, <laughs> and look, I won. <laughs> you got to watch your numbers. Um, you can't cheat the numbers, and they won't cheat you. That's all true. But if you don't know where you are, how can you adjust to make it better? So that's the numbers aren't to compete with anybody else. You're competing with yourself. It doesn't matter what your neighbor on your right or your left is doing other than, yeah, maybe you think you can do better, so go ahead and do it. It's not going to hurt them. It's just going to help you. Just don't be, you know, be nice about it. But we keep track of our numbers so we can make ourselves better. Now, I notice you've been tracking your numbers on your sales and so on. What are some of the other things that you're tracking that are making a difference in your life now? I look inside, I run it like a business. So I buy my leads. Um, I'm paying attention to what I'm spending when I go on trips because I know those are going to be write-offs. When I went on vacation this summer and I I worked that couple of days, I I made enough in sales to pay for that whole $3,500, you know, right on the beach trip, which is pretty cool. And then I had the whole rest of the time to play. So I'm tracking what am I putting in leads, what am I, you know, what am I earning? Am I am I earning enough? Am I being consistent? So am I setting enough appointments? Am I sitting, you know, actually talking to them and going through it, not one-leggers, but real deal? And if I'm not, right afterwards, what did I do wrong? Did I did I get in a hurry? Did I get complacent? Were they, did I let them rush me and, and forget to ask, the you know, the closing questions? Because if you don't get the pain, you, you miss the sale. I have a question for you here, Dick, because – Someone is, I've had this a couple of times lately. They say, um, I say, now, if, if something happens to Bob and he doesn't make it home and if he does his paycheck, would you be okay? You know, could you make your rent? And they're like, oh, yeah. Or could you make your mortgage? Now, that could be a baloney story. But when someone has enough, that's probably when we're asking them, what do you have and what's that for? So they can't play the shell game. Is that right? 
That's right. Um, and, you know, when I was thinking about that this morning, I'm kind of covering that today. A lot of times they could make the mortgage payment, but who's, but who's going to buy groceries, pay the light bill, uh, pay the car payment, pay the taxes, and that sort of thing, you know? Okay. Dig deeper. When, I, the way I would follow up with that question when they say, oh, yeah, I could, I could do that, I said, well, let me ask you this. You know, you've got the mortgage paid for. What about the other cost of living, you know, um, groceries, light bill, gas for the car, car payments? Um, adding those in, is there still enough money to make everything work? Oh, yeah, there'd be no problem with that. Well, let me ask you this. If that's the case, what was what was your concern when you requested information originally? Not why did you send this in, but Marcia, what was your concern when you sent this in originally? Oh, that's good. I like that. And 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 usually they'll throw it up. You know, they'll they'll bring up on what they were concerned about and then from that point forward that's all we talk about. I have to tell you, Dick, this morning I was outside and I saw one of my neighbors I haven't seen in a while. This is a guy that when I first started out, I had him, you know, let me practice on him and all that. He has money, but he didn't have insurance. And I said, you know, just get this policy, golly. If you have cancer, stroke, heart attack, it's going to cover you. Blah, blah, blah. I don't need that. Okay, so two years later, he's got two stims. Now, he still didn't get any coverage. Now he can't get any coverage. He had a quadruple bypass the other day, and he can't even eat out at, at restaurants anymore. He has seven different valves they worked on. All he had to do was get a policy, but he was too cheap. He has millions in the bank, but not now. He's paying a lot in his hospital bills. It's, he's not insured. Well, here's a way, and this might help everybody on the call here today, and you too, Marcia. Here's a way when people are like that. The first question I ask is, <clears throat> do you have long-term care insurance? And they look at you like a deer in the headlight because somebody that's got a lot of money, usually if they won't buy a life insurance policy, they definitely are not going to buy long-term care insurance. Right. And say, well, the reason I ask that question, you know, if you have a stroke and don't know what day it is, and end up spending the next 10 years in a nursing facility, or worse yet, you get Alzheimer's and don't know what day it is, at keeping the the house expenses going plus the cost of um, the nursing home, it could be 10000 a month for the nursing home plus 4000 or $5,000 a month to, to keep the house going. If we have a 20 or 30% drop in the market adjustment, you know, and we're trying to live off of that, it doesn't take long at all without long-term care insurance to eat up 2 or $3 million. If That's that, true. God forbid, happened to you, where would that leave your family? And let me give you a classic example of, of something like this that happened. I had a client that had... I don't know, forty or fifty thousand, sixty thousand dollars in retirement income, and had about a million dollars, as I recall, in assets in the market. And uh, it was one of those closed neighborhoods, and I went in, and uh, I'd see him a lot, 
and we would spar a little bit jokingly and we'd smile and I'd walk out. He'd think he got me and I'd think I got him. And it was a cat and mouse game for about three years. Then 2008 hit. And I think I think it was yeah just under a million dollars. We'll make a long story short. His a million dropped to 700,000 almost overnight. And uh, about the same time, he had some health issues or something came up, and he needed $200,000 in cash, no, $100,000 in cash immediately. Well, when you take money out of a 401K, by the time you pay the penalty and the taxes on that money, you have to take out twice as much as what you need. So his seven hundred and fifty thousand seven hundred thousand within a matter of eight months was down to a half million dollars. And I had asked him the same question, do you have long term care insurance? And the answer was no. You know, so now he's down to a half million dollars, but having to live off of part of that half million dollars and finally, it got to the point that he was down to less than $200,000 and had to go back, and he was working at Walmart. Oh. And here was a guy that was set for life. Now, I don't know how you convey that story to a client. I don't know that you can, but I'm trying to point out to everybody on the call here today, when you run into that, as Barry says, that's a head fake. And when he talks about the head fake in our business, he said production is a head fake because if you are the producer and you're having all this production, but God forbid you're T-boned and you can't work for six months to a year until we started the virtual sales team, you know, or if you're not in a position to convert to that, that he- that's a head fake. You're not really doing all that well. That's why it was important to build a team. Well, having assets for a lot of people is a head fake. They think they're good to go. And um, But you have really reached a high place in your career uh, with the team uh, doing the virtual sales. Share with our group this morning just kind of how that's worked out for you and how it's changed your life. Um. It's a it's a huge blessing. It's always been good being with Equus. They've they've been fantastic. For me, the difference is I do have two kids that have cystic fibrosis. So with all the craziness going on, it's nice to know I'm not out there, you know, picking up whatever's flying around. But more importantly, or just as importantly for me, this gives me structure, and so um, I'm more consistent with my lead by. I'm more consistent with my call time. I just honor the system, you know, like I feel like it's to the power of 10. So I'm very regimented with that. And it's, it's helped exponentially. It's, it's, you know, double, it's really made my numbers go much better, more steady. Um, and it's, it's a great group of people. It's nice to have that community. We all have a community, but there's, there's something about being able to just see that the other people are still working and, and even if, if you get a dud call, you just look up, you see your other people are calling, you're like, well, I can keep calling too. So it, it gives that support, and it also gives really good structure. So we've got the ability to get out there and go after it, whether you go into people's homes or you do it remotely. Really and truly just become a student of the industry and, and do plug in because there's too much uh, mental junk going on. Like, I don't watch the news much. 
because I want to keep positive. You know, I, I know enough to know what's going on, and my husband watches a lot of it. But bottom line, <laughs> I focus in on this, you know. We're not totally in the dark, but um, <laughs> this is it's an amazing system. I mean, the fact we have a chance to create our own pay is is off the charts amazing. And I can't imagine why everybody in town is just scrambling to do the very best that they've ever done in their life because you don't know this opportunity would come again. It's huge. So I love what I'm doing, and I and I love the the people here. I I feel very blessed. Would you say uh, could we? Use the word, um, cr- you've created some disciplines in your life with this system, and the virtual is good because it allows you to work from home, and I would like you to address how many times you've been in, ho- in the hospital for Christmas and holidays and birthdays, probably as many birthdays and Christmases and Thanksgivings you've been in the hospital with the kids rather than at home doing things that most families were doing. But would it be safe to say that the disciplines this has helped you develop has been as important as anything else in, in you doing the virtual sales? It's more the discipline than it is sitting there on the phone? Absolutely. If I had the same discipline when I was out in the field, I'd be David Crocker. You know, I mean, he he can do it out in the field. He's, he's amazing. The discipline is huge. Um I have a lot of things I juggle, especially when the kids were sick before. Like I said, I I brought in crock pots and Christmas dinners to the hospital. I'm crying on the way in and then, you know, freshening up. My kids thought it was a, they're like, that's holiday ever. It didn't scar them because they were just very pampered. Lots of people came in, the charities and stuff, and spoiled them rotten. So they didn't see it as I was like, oh, my gosh, we're in the hospital. But you can't let them see that. Just like if you're having a crud day. Set that aside. Your client doesn't deserve it. They don't need that. You're there to focus on them, to listen to them, and to find out where their pain is and and give them that protection because if you walk away, there might not be somebody that comes after you. Uh, guys, I hope if you don't hear anything else, you take to heart what she just said about there may not be somebody to come in after you. Um I can't tell you over the 25 years I've done this how many times I was the last person to cross their door to try to get them to buy some life insurance before the worst day of their life occurred. And those of you that have been on the phone for a little while and those of you that are brand new, you have either have experienced this or you're going to when you get somebody on the phone and they'll say, Marcia, I wish you had called me six months or a year ago when we first sent that in. Now, for those of you that are new on the phone, somebody did call them. And usually it was the one that died that wouldn't let us go see them or wouldn't talk to us. But somebody did contact them. But people do use this stuff, and it's it's a very touching, trying time, to say the least. Marcia, in closing, what would you like to share, you know, something that you've experienced that you think might make their their job, their journey, not easier, but, but more efficient and better. Take it seriously. Be organized. You know, before you go to sleep at night, go to your desk. Make sure your calendar is set up. Make sure that the leads that you are calling on, that you already have your appointments set for, are right there, ready to go. Do your, you know, your research to, to be the, the most confident professional you can be beforehand. Look at the charts. Have everything pulled up. 
Be ready to roll and be the best that you can be. And don't be afraid to call your upline after you've checked the charts so you can tell them, okay, I looked and this is what I think. What do you think? Because they're going to, number one, see that you're making an effort. You're not just having them try and feed you all the time. You're trying to feed yourself. But number two, you're going to learn because you came in with this, and then they're going to advise you. Or you're going to call the underwriter, and they're going to say, did you ask about how big that tumor was? Did you ask when they had it? Did you ask if it was – they're going to ask all those questions. You write every single question down, and remember to ask your client that next time you have that situation. Every day is a learning opportunity if you let it be. Don't just let it breeze over your head. Get engaged. Marcia, thank you for jumping on this morning. I know you want to get back on your your uh, team and, and the dialing and everything, but we do appreciate what, what you've accomplished and then sharing how that's worked for you. I appreciate that. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. Well, when I hear you on the call, I'm reminded of Crocker and Fernando and, and many others, but they – They've worked in areas where they that it hasn't gone well at times, but they just didn't give up. Uh, okay. I, I tease Fernando all the time about living in northern Jersey. I interviewed a guy the other day that just moved from Jersey to North Carolina, and I was teasing him. I said, that probably was the best thing you could have done because uh, that northern Jersey group is a hard, hard nut to crack, and he laughed. So I knew he knew exactly what I was talking about. My husband told me the other day, he said, I could never, ever do what you do. He said, you've got some chops, girl. He said, "You sometimes it's, it's hard days and you just don't stop. You're like a dog with a bone. You know, he said, you might get down for a minute, but you don't let it phase you. You just get right back in there. It's like, well, no, I'm not going to be the loser on the sidelines. I'm going to jump in there and make a difference. Amen. Well, we appreciate doing that and you sharing with us this morning. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care. I want to springboard off of some of what uh, Marcia said and what she alluded to today in terms of, guys, when we're on the phone to set the appointment, uh, I want to kind of clarify for you what the purpose and the goal is. And the purpose and the goal when you're on that phone is one thing and one thing only, and that's to set the appointment. It's not to attempt to make the sale. Let me give you an example of trying to make the sale versus setting the appointment is. You know, you get somebody on the call, it's the first call, and we start by telling them, you know, um, a little bit about what mortgage protection is. You know, well, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, there are several ways to do mortgage protection. We could cover part of the mortgage to keep the family in the house. We could provide a lump sum so that they could refinance and make the new payment less than rent or we have an equity protection program. So we start telling them those things versus, you know, what that does when we do that, that approach gives the client a reason not to answer the phone when you call back again or to keep the appointment when you set it because they didn't want that. They didn't want to hear anything but cover the entire mortgage. And if we're talking to somebody 65 or 70 years old, covering the entire mortgage, even if they're healthy, doesn't make sense and it's terribly expensive for them. So we need to figure out another way. Now, when we're setting the appointments, and I don't care if they had cancer last month, they had a four-way bypass three months ago or a year ago, I don't care what their health is, our mindset needs to be this. 
all your clients are 28 and can leap a building at a single bound. They are Superman. Now, why is that that mindset important? Well, um, your voice and your attitude convey over the phone, I can help you, which is what they want to hear if you have that mindset. You're 28 and can leap a building at a single bound. Or if you don't have that mindset, your voice is going to convey it's they're not going to qualify or it's going to be expensive. And that's not what they want to hear. They want to think and they go through. So all you want to do is set the appointment so then you can set the stage for what they qualify for. I hear this all the time, but Dick, I had one lady, I'll never forget her, Deborah. But Dick, that's what they want. And I'd say, Deborah, I know, but they had cancer six months ago. People in hell want ice water, but they can't get it. And these people are not going to qualify for $100,000 of term But, Dick, that's what they want. And we have to get to the point that we understand it's not what they want but what they qualify, and then we try to adapt what they qualify to best help that family. See, our goal and purpose should be either to protect the equity in their home for the spouse and children or to keep the family in the home. After we find out where they stand, that's what we work start working for. Because really, guys, nothing else matters. Now, as soon as we forget that, that we're trying to keep them in the home or something like this, this is when we're doing the appointment. We're perceived as not providing a solution to their problem or we're just another salesperson with commission breath. See, we've got to literally go into this with the idea of, one, they're healthy, get the information, get with me, I will help you strategize the case, and we will find a solution that will either keep the family in the home for a period of time or a solution to protect the equity in the home. Stop and think about it for a minute. You know, I did one yesterday for a new agent. People had $93,000 equity in their home. And, of course, they wanted to cover the whole mortgage, and that was impossible because of their age and their 70s. But stop and think about it. If we can show them how at least they can give or ensure the fact that their family gets that $93,000 in equity, we've got a solution to their problem. Now, a lot of times we have trouble identifying the problem. Not us so much a new agent may, but the client has problems identifying the problem. You know, um, they really don't know what the problem is. That's why we ask the questions. Uh, Marsha and I, if, if we had had more time to develop that part of the call this morning, you have no idea the hours and the conversations we spent working to help her, help her clients identify the problem. See, rather than tell them something, for example, well, your family's going to lose a house due to foreclosure if you don't have insurance. That's true, but we're perceived as a salesperson in that situation. So how do we convey that to that same client so that they take action without us telling them that? Well, we ask the question, if you don't come home because of a car wreck or a heart attack, can your spouse make the mortgage payment and cover all the other expenses of living in this home? You know, groceries, light bill, pay the car payment, and that sort of thing. Well, if the answer to that is no, then we always follow up with, 
the next question. This is always the next question. Well, John or Mary, how do you feel about that? See, that engages them in such a way that they have to uh, express a feeling. Well, what's happened through that process, one, they've identified the fact that first, see, this is the first key to this. They have to identify the fact that, one, they have a problem. Because if they don't do that, it doesn't matter what your solution is. It's too expensive. If it's $10 a month, the solution is too expensive because they don't have a problem. So we have to get them to acknowledge, one, they have a problem. That's why we ask that question. And um, once they acknowledge they have a problem uh, and we focus on what that problem is, now they become open to your solution to solve that problem. See, uh, now you're perceived not so much as a salesperson but more of a counselor, a guidance counselor, an advisor, so to speak. And you're not out just for uh, a commission. You're out to solve the problem that they have. See, by identifying the pain when setting the appointment, that's the difference in a good salesperson and an average or a poor person. Because if the client doesn't see and understand there's, one, the problem and what the pain is by not solving the problem, you know, we're not really going to go anywhere. So at that point, once you've identified the problem and the pain, John and Mary, let's see if we can come up with a price that fits your budget and need that solves this problem that keeps the family in the house. Because now you are on their side because you and they are going to come up with a a system, a plan that's going to work for them. And uh, once you've done that, then you set go towards setting the appointment. We're going to find a plan that fits your need and your budget. When is a good time to reconvene? Guys, that's a good word to use because salespeople don't use that word. Uh, advisors do. So when would be a good time to reconvene when both you and Mary are at home? And don't leave that an open-ended question, guys, because if you do, it's going to be a week from Thursday at 2 o'clock. Well, they're never going to keep that appointment, and they might be dead by then. So what you want to do is you want to keep control of the situation, but you want them to feel like they made the decision that they ultimately were in control. So you might follow up with, you know, when is a good time to reconvene with both you and Mary at home? Do you prefer afternoon or early evening? Now, why do I say afternoon or early evening instead of morning? Because most of us, it's morning right now, and we're calling and especially when we're doing virtual sales, we want that appointment to happen today. So we're going to try to set that appointment for later today or in the early evening. If they say, well, the only time I have open is in the morning, well, they kind of verify that because you're talking to them in the morning now, so you may set it for the following morning, but that's not your first choice. So we try to give them two choices for the day we're in. And uh, so do you prefer afternoon or early evening? Or would after supper be better? And you wait until you get an answer for them. Um, then you give them two options. Well, we prefer uh, late afternoon. Well, would four or six o'clock be better? Six o'clock. So you always keep it in terms of two so that you're leading the con- 
the conversation. You're leading them where you want them to go, but they feel like they took you where they wanted because they got to choose the time. That's why we give them two choices rather than one. See, this this approach puts you in control, but it's a very subtle way of giving them two, two choices, making them think they're in control. Uh, now, after you set the appointment and you set it for 4 o'clock, you know, then they feel like they're in control because they chose that. Now, what I would do is once the appointment is set, and if it appears they qualify for, well, wait, wait a minute, let me back up here a second. Uh, once they set the appointment for 4 o'clock, and I'm going to cover this at the end again too, is I'm going to say, now, I am booked solid today, so we've got it set up at 4 o'clock. Would it be okay with you if we set up a window here, say 4 to 4.30, in case one of my earlier appointments goes over? So now you're not scrambling to um, be there at 4 o'clock. If you get there at 4.30, 4.35, 4.40, you've had their permission to have a window here. Now, if, in fact, that window is not good, they're going to tell you, no, I have to do it at 4 o'clock because I have another meeting at 5 or 4.30. Well, that's good to know. Well, should we reschedule this, say, for 6.30 or 7 then? It gives you the option to roll there. Now, once you set the appointment, guys, we're trying to figure out a way to lock it down so that we can um, get more people to answer the phone when we call back. And what I go to, into then is, and you've heard this before, now, John and Mary, make sure, this is posturing for them to keep the appointment. Make sure when we talk this evening that I go over foreclosure protection with you. And the reason I say that is most plans don't have foreclosure protection. It looks like you might qualify for that. So let's make sure that we go over that foreclosure protection option when we talk. And what time did we say we're going to reconvene? At 4, and we're going to go into the, that window of 4 to 4.30. Get a pencil and paper and write this down. I'm going to give you a code, and I'll tell you why it's important here in just a moment. And you give them a, a, a code. Most people use their Equus number, and they just put uh, EF at the end. It's a six-digit code, 689-363-EF. And my name is Dick Sylvester. The reason this code is important, you go back again to the uh, foreclosure protection. Most plans don't have that. So make sure I go over it with you when we talk. And if, God forbid, someone else should call, if they don't have that code, you're talking to the wrong person because their plan doesn't have foreclosure protection. And when did we say we're going over that again? Guys, it's okay to go over that a couple of times to make sure you drive home that point. Now, um, we talk to a lot of people um, that are looking at this type of coverage. When you're talking in terms of posturing, what you're trying to do is when you tell them, I'm booked solid today, so that's why we need this window, what you just said is a lot of people are looking at this type of coverage. It's a very subtle way of saying that. And you're also saying we're really busy. And when you're busy, this must be a good plan or a good company. Those are little things. I was reading back through the compound effect this morning. The little things we can do that can make a big difference over time. If doing these little things 
get you an extra three or four appointments a week that that keep the appointment, one a day. Guys, that's an extra sale or two a week. If you're closing 40% of the people, that's one and a half to two sales a week over the course of the year. You heard Marcia talking earlier. She missed being an elite producer on two different occasions by a whisker, by one week's premium, and one year by one day's premium. She missed it. And so these little things can make a very, very big difference. And uh, so when you finish up, you know, now I'll get back with you between 4 and 4.30. Now, if you're dealing with less healthy people, instead of talking about foreclosure protection, see, I never mention living benefits, the words, because until I do the app, I'm not going to know if they really qualify. Now, I am going to get some health information so I've got a good feel for it. And if I'm getting some health information and I realize they ain't qualifying for for living benefits, then we zero in on making sure that that $93,000 equity or whatever equity they have in their home is going to go to their family rather than a complete stranger. And these are some things that we can say and do as we go through you know, I'm rather than deal with foreclosure protection, we're talking about equity protection. And I would venture to say of the 87 death claims that I've delivered over the 25 years, at least 40% of them were equity protection plans where the family got to keep that. Now, I had one, I had a death claim yesterday. And when we went and looked at it, we did it with the idea that it was going to be equity protection. Well, as it turns out, she had nothing else for a funeral. It was only for $5,000. So when I talked to her daughter yesterday, she said, I know you did this for equity protection for mom. She said she never got anything else in place. So we're going to use it to help cover half the cost of the funeral. And my daughter is going to make her house payment for us until the house sells. And my my fiance and I are going to make up the difference for the funeral and Dick. We are so thankful that this is $5,000 we don't have to come up with for the funeral. And oh, by the way, could you and I set up a time for next week after the funeral's over? I need to put a plan together for my daughter as well. So next week, I'm going to meet with the daughter of the deceased to set up a plan to protect her children from the same scenario that she's dealing with with her mother right now. So, you know, when we do this, we never know exactly where it's going to shake out, but we do know this. I've never had anybody in 25 years that said, hey, Dick, you guys sent me way too much money. We don't need this amount. We're going to send half of it back or we're going to send $1,000 back. Guys, that has never happened. So what we do does make a difference, and we do live a life of significance. And you guys are going to understand for those, because we've got a lot of new people on the call today, you are going to understand this more and more and more the more time you spend on the phone and you get these people on the phone that they literally say, my husband or my wife passed away six months or a year ago. I wish we had this in place because we do live a life of significance. That's your cue today to go out and understand how important the role you play in these people's lives 
and you do live a life of significance, and you can change a fam- the trajectory of a family's life significantly by what we do. I hope today with what Marcia shared and this will make a difference for you. We are here for you. We are here to make sure you do the best job you can do and you're most efficient and, and put together the best plans for your clients. Thank you and have a great day. <laughs>